right, we are here. Welcome to the Big Curve Music Podcast, uh, our very first show. And um, yeah, I'm excited to get this thing going. I'll tell you right off the top, there won't be any music in this portion of the show. Um, that will be on. Um, that will be a little. I'll, exp- I'll explain it the whole thing, but you're gonna have to listen to the whole show. I'm not gonna explain until the end. Then you'll have to know how to hear the music. Um, but yeah, we can't do that with Spotify and stuff. So we are gonna get started. My name is Jeff, and um, uh, Big Curve Music is uh, my record label. And today, uh, my co-host is Mister Trampus Faree. What's happening? And he is with us today and hopefully a bunch in the future. Uh, Just to give a little bit of history here, uh, Trampas and I have been playing in bands on and off, on a lot and then off a lot uh, for about (laughs) 31 years. 30 years, yeah. (laughs) Crazy. God. Uh, We also did a podcast together from like 99 to 2001 maybe around there it was late yeah. 90s early 2000s it's before it was called podcast because there wasn't right. an ipod yet right, yeah. <laughs> it was internet radio right um so we did that for a few years um and then after that uh up in uh, baltimore i had a show uh that i did for a couple of years and we even did it live from that bar fletcher's that's no longer there right yeah. we did the show live from there um but i haven't done a show in 10 10 years more than that probably 12 yeah. since 2009 so i guess i guess i podcasted for 10 years and then didn't for 12 or 13 yeah. so uh be very happy that i'm back because i like to talk so we have a theme today on our show this is episode one and our theme today is 1974 and the reason for 1974 is this is the birth of our show and 1974 was the year of my birth so uh and also Trampas's wife That's she was right. born in 74 so um you know we've had those opportunities to look back on things that happened the year you were born number one songs on the year you were born number one movie <laughs> number one tv show and it's all garbage it is it, the best is the worst it's the you, worst year you can't find ever. i mean I'm pretty proficient in music from like late 60s to the late 90s. Right. Where if you're going to tell me the number one song of any of those months, of any of those years, I'll know the song. Yeah. You flip through the 1974 hits and there's definitely songs I've never heard before. Right. I'm like a... uh... Back in the day, I would like to make my friends, like I've even made you like a mixed CD, like I like making mixed CDs for my friends and stuff. Yeah. And uh, one year I thought, oh man, you know what, for my wife's birthday, I'll make her a mixed CD of 1974, she was born that year. And then- It uh, could have been a (laughs) single. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little rough. A little rough. It's, you know, and since you and I decided that was going to be the theme for this show, I was thinking about it a lot. And, you know, there comes to that point of, well, why? Because- the 70s gave birth to a lot of new styles of music and a lot of uh, different things. But that particular year Absolutely. fell right inside. If you think about hard rock, uh, metal hard rock and, and stadium rock, any of that right. arena rock stuff, you know, the big bands at the time were, you know, Zeppelin, right. uh, Black Sabbath, Aerosmith, um, yeah. you know, bands like that. And these bands were putting out records every single year. Absolutely. They're, they were, I think they were really pressured. Yeah, keep putting out output like 
like Queen put out two albums in 1974. Kiss put out two albums in 1974. Uh, uh, Black Sabbath put out two albums in 1970. But they are yeah. stone cold classics. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah no, I, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's like you go, okay, well, what was going on? Well, it's 1974. You know, Aerosmith put out what? Got get your wings. Get your wings. Get, yeah. get your wings. Yeah. Uh, Sabbath didn't put out a record that year. Zeppelin yeah. didn't put out yeah. a record that year. Um, but you know, punk was getting ready to happen. Right. You know, that was something that was getting ready to happen. And also, there's a song on a, a list we're going to talk about later. Um, what did the Autobahn and the Autobahn? Oh, sure. Yeah, Kraftwerk. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, you know, that came out in 74. So that's yeah. like the electronic new wave thing starting to come in. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, that and the, uh, Brian Eno put out two albums that year, too, yeah. in 74. So a lot was, was going on right then. And, and I think, I don't know the exact year. But I don't think it was long after that that the New York Dolls and um, right. you know some of these bands started popping up in the CBGBs kind of kind of thing before it, it was going on in England. Right. Uh, so it was just a kind of a I think transition. The, also, might have been a little bit of a hangover because if you look at like a year like 1972, that is an amazing year. It's like absolutely like everything that's great came out in 1972. 1972. Like. Um, Plastic Ono Band came out that year. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone put out a couple albums that were just yeah. slamming. Yep. Yeah, it was just, you go to 1972, songs yeah. that came out in 72. Well, that was, you know, late, blown away. Like late 60s to 72, you know, like funk was a real thing. It was soul music. And, you know, when disco kind of started, it ruined that. Right. You know, it kind of took it and completely bastardized it because... And then again in the eighties and nineties, then R and B was like slow jams, usually sung by a female. And it's like, well, wait a right. second, wasn't James Brown R and B? Right, wasn't right. Sly R and B? It everything kind of shifted and changed. And um, you know, leading into the end of the seventies and into the eighties, you know, you have hip hop, you have uh, like I would say heavy metal, but heavy metal was already kind of around. But but it came into this is what it's going to be for right. the next ten years. Yeah. Um, you know, new wave became full form. Like all these things happened. Pop music that wasn't disco. Uh, you know, all these different stuff. And then, you know, a year or two in the eighties, then all of a sudden, then you got thrash metal and you got right, right. you know crossover and hardcore and yeah. you know. So there was so many things. Nineteen seventy four was definitely a lame ass year for music. Um, <laughs> there was a couple good ones, right? What did oh, you? Absolutely. What are some of the ones that uh, that you were thinking were highlights? Well. Okay, you want to get into like what what I believe was probably the best one? Yeah, yeah. I think the best album that came out in 1974 is probably Funkadelic, uh, Standing on the Verge of Getting It On. All right. And that's probably an obscure one. It's not Maggot Brain. It's right. not, you know, for Funkadelic. But it, it you listen to it, it it slams, it slays, it's it's well, great. I'm like, I, I love Parliament and Funkadelic, but, and I like their music, but I'm not sure... When Parliament and Funkadelic became the same, right? And what was really the difference? Now I know I'm pretty sure that um, that I should have turned that sound off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that um, that record you're talking about came. Parliament had a record that year too, and that was Bootsy's first. Okay. With Parliament, but like, what was George Clinton in both? Like, I don't. Oh, know. right. Yeah, he was yeah. in both. Yeah. So he had the two projects. Funkadelic was more of a. On the side of rock. Oh, yeah, it's very rock-focused, yeah. yeah, yeah. It had, uh, like, Eddie, guitar player Eddie Hazel, very mm -hmm. Hendrix-influenced, like, 
just he just rips through solos like it's like he just shreds. It's awesome. Yeah, everything's a very riff focused. Um, is that where that shit goddamn get off your ass and jam came from? Uh, yeah, they do get into that refrain, but there's yeah. also a great refrain goes, uh, "Hey, lady, you can be my dog, and I will be your treat, and you can pee on me." <laughs> <laughs> like it's hilarious. Yeah, like, him yeah. and Frank Zappa were you right, know, writing yeah, out of yeah, the same yeah. book there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that I mean, that's a that's a great record there. I think uh, uh, Zappa. Had a apostrophe, apostrophe, yeah. And uh, from what I saw, that was his first top ten in the U.S. Right, uh, yeah, that, that was year. A, that was a good seller. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm a big Zappa freak. Right. So, how long after Mothers was this album in '74? He, what he would do is he used put Mothers on the album if he needed to sell records. Gotcha. You know All what right. I mean? Yep. Yep. So it's kind of a loose, loose band. It, using air quotes, band that he used pretty right. much throughout his career. Like, if he thought he needed to sell some records, he put Mothers on it. Yeah. But Apostrophe has, like, some very inside jokes going on. Like, I wouldn't recommend it to someone who wasn't into Zappa. You gotcha. Know, like, You'd uh, have to already be a fan. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although there are some killer tunes on it, like Cosmic Debris, Uncle Remus. There's, and there's see, some killer tunes on that. Oh, so the uh, Parliament album that year was uh, Up for the Downstroke. Uh, oh, and that was the first go. with Bootsy. Okay. Um, so that was a hell of a year for George Clinton. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so here's an interesting one that came out because I recently have been pretty obsessed with music documentaries. Uh-huh. Um, the Go-Go's one I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Did you see that no, one? No, I didn't. I mean, it shows them being like complete drug addicts and whores. Like that's, <laughs> and I'm not calling, I'm not calling them that. I'm telling you what they show. Right, right. Like it, it's, it, it like it, it sits right next to the dirt, like the Motley Crue with right. as much drugs as they did. Like I wouldn't have known. I mean, I I mean I assume most I don't know, who knows in the eighties, but yeah. holy mac that and that was that was a good one. But one that I didn't expect to like a lot was uh, the Bee Gees. Oh, one yeah. Um, there was a couple fantastic. Things, yeah, there was a couple things that I guess I knew but had forgotten. Like that, they were huge before disco. Right. Yeah. They were yeah. like kind of like a monkey sounding. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of folky yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but they said when they were making that transition to disco that they didn't know that that's what was happening. They were writing some right. dance music, and that Eric Clapton put out um, the four sixty one Ocean Boulevard, the album where he's outside in the palm trees. Right. And what, yeah, yeah. yeah. That when that album came out, the Bee Gees saw it and go. Well, hey, maybe we should go and record in Miami. And they w- then went to that studio where he recorded. And while they were there in the studio, that's when they started doing their first disco. Really, they started dance music from Be- that on because of because of Miami, the, uh, the atmosphere, the clubs, and things uh, that they yeah. were going to. Um, it inspired that. And I know I'd have to watch it again, but there's a really cool part there where the drummer. I don't know if he left the band or he was just taking a dump in the bathroom in the studio. <laughs> Something happened where the drummer just wasn't there. And like one of their most, it might've been staying alive or something like that. The drum beat is literally a, a cut loop of another oh, really? beat. He played like they took a beat. He played, yeah. they sped it up, they cut it and they looped it. Yeah. So like one of the most famous disco beats is not even like it's, yeah. you know, you talk about like, what's the opposite of a, 
of an overnight success because that's what happened to them. Oh God, yeah, it took yeah. forever for success. Yeah, yeah. Well, same thing with. Well, no, I'm talking about like their downfall. Like they're on tour, they're on top of the world. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, everyone thinks they suck. Yeah, well, they blame that DJ and where was it Detroit or whatever the oh, Burn yeah. Your Disco right? Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's a winner. Yeah. Um, I, I think like literally for the past forty years, his career has been I'm the guy who. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a, like he's got a uh, podcast. And that's what it's about. Like, really? I think that, yeah, it's, he can't oh, even get a radio it. gig anymore. Oh, okay, like yeah, it's, yeah. I, dude, you know what, man? I'm not a huge fan of disco, but it's got some of the best bass lines that, yeah. that you can imagine. And some of the best hip hop came from some of those. Sure, beats. So it's yeah. like, you know, I'm not going to go on purpose while I'm driving and at a stoplight and look up the Bee Gees and start jamming <laughs> while I'm driving, but I'm not going to diss it either because right. I don't know. We'll get into that too because that's that's a whole other thing with yeah. styles of music and right. all of a sudden, but they were big and then they were nothing and then they right. became the biggest thing that ever existed right. and then nothing. Yeah, and they got big again. Yeah, yeah. and then crazy. I think like the one of the dudes I think w- became like a producer and produced a bunch of like probably like Diana Ross. Oh and right, yeah, 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 yeah. So. Yeah, because he was still writing hits for, like, other people. <laughs> right. I mean, that publishing was still coming in yeah. for him. All right. So, but they didn't, uh, I don't know if they put out one of their big records that year. I don't think so. It's not on the list. So, let's get to, uh, Steely Dan had a good record that year. Pretzel oh, Logic. Logic, yeah. 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 Ricky, um, don't lose that number. Yeah. So, um, as far as Yacht Rock, that would have been the number one <laughs> Yacht Rock album of the year, I believe. Right, right. Um, Steely Dan. Um, and then the last one I have up on that list is Kiss's debut album. Okay. Um, kiss, kiss. Of their two albums they put out that year, I would right. say that was the better one. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, and it's not even that great. Right. I, I, no, I, I hear you there. I hear you. I, I happen to, I happen to dig Kiss. Right. However, I could probably make one, maybe double album, of good shit. Right. Out of the thirty albums that they've put out. Right. So they are like the kings in my mind of filler. Like, they were the right, kings of filler. Right. Yeah. Um, well, that album opens up with Strutter. Oh, oh it opens right. up with Deuce, I think. Oh, does it? I think so. Okay. Well, look at us. <laughs> so, Strutter and Deuce are my favorite songs from that like, record. Well, yeah. yeah, that's a good song. It's like a second-rate Thin Lizzy song. Yeah. So I'll take a second-rate Thin Lizzy over first-rate Kiss any day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I just, I think, you know, the, the thing about it is this, man. There was a lot of better music at the time, right? Right. However... Are you sitting on the floor with your back against your bed with headphones on listening to right. Early Rush? Or are you listening to Zappa? Yeah. You know, or are you going to a concert and fucking seeing Kiss? Like right. with fire and fire breathing and blood and having well, right, a good time. Yeah. Oh, the stage show is unparalleled. Right. Yeah, so that, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's kind of how a lot of that stuff is to me. Right. Like there's a lot of music I absolutely love and have, would, would have no interest to go see live. Like right. I saw a couple of years ago... Um, and not that they were bad, but uh, I saw Hall and Oates, right? Yeah. And they were good. The song sounded great. It was a great yeah. show. But, you know, I didn't feel like I was just at an experience. Like, I was like, cool, that was Hall and Oates, and they sounded good. That's yeah. what you would expect. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'd rather go see Motley Crue and see how bad they fuck up or see if they're playing the backing tracks uh-huh. because there's fire and roller coasters. Like, right, I'm right. really into having a good time. And I think that also comes with age where it's like, you know, once you're married or if you have kids or you got a job, like when you go out, you want to go have a good time. 
Sure. And, I, and I think that Kiss kind of made that happen. Yeah. Um, but you listen to that album. It, you were right. Um, Strutter is first. I, I'm sorry. Damn. Like, when you listen to what's going on, the guitars are okay. Uh, the drumming is... Dude. That is a tough. That is... <laughs> There's some tough drumming going on there, man. <laughs> I mean, he's all over the place. I think it's tough on accent. I think it's tough it? because he sucks. Man, it's like he changes rhythms in the middle of a song. But and you're like, See, I don't think that's because he's good. No, of course yeah. not. No, he is bad. Yeah, he's, he is he's bad. He is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, people are all like, he's got to play on the farewell tour. I'm like, no, give me the guy who's been right, in the band yeah, 30 years yeah. that knows how to play. Yeah, that is some <laughs> tough stuff, man. And uh, it's tough to listen to. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's, it, you know, and that was my son Rollins who plays drums and guitar and he's 11. Like, first thing you want to do is learn how to play Kiss songs on the drums. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, don't listen to the record. I'll show you the beats. Just play it right. like that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Don't try to, like, I know it's not on that album, but, like, the beat for Detroit Rock City is kind of cool. But it's only good because that's the only way he could play that. And it just, I don't know. It only sounds good Detroit Rock City, that's, like, their apex. Yeah. They never got better than that. No. But, yes. It's just a brilliant song. I love it. I love that song. And I'm not even a Kiss fan. I love that song. I it's a great, great song. Yeah, yeah, it up. It's got all the elements yeah, yeah. of a of a big party song. But you listen at first time. Like the thing that stands out to me, if I want to pick out something good about it, I think Gene Simmons's bass is actually. I mean, I think yeah, he plays pretty good on pretty that. Good. It's like uh, he does. He's a good uh, what I like to call boogie bass player. Yeah, you know, like uh, boogie bass playing is like what you do when you don't want to follow the guitar, but. At the same time, you don't want to put in too much effort. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> you know I get you. I mean? Yep. Yeah. So it's like like a, Michael Anthony. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And some of his stuff that. You right. Know. Right. Yeah. And then there's the song "Nothing to Lose," which I'm pretty sure is a really like un- inappropriate for today's <laughs> terms <laughs> about telling a girl like, "Oh, you got nothing to lose. Just do me," kind of thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, Gene Simmons has got some creepy ass lyrics. Oh well. Uh, well, on Hunter Than Hell, he's got that song. Um, Christine, 16. <laughs> I'm 9 to 3 and you're 16. Yeah. Uh, going Blind. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The Melvins do a great cover of it. Yeah, they do. They really do. Yeah, um, yeah. And then uh, I think, uh, like, Deuce. All right. You've probably heard that song mostly, not voluntarily, probably hundreds of times sure. in your life. Yeah. What do you think it's about? Oh, I have no idea. I never... So I was thinking about it just uh-huh. the other day, and I, I'm someone told me a long time ago that it's, don't even tell me it's about doo doo. No, <laughs> no. From what I was told, and then I listen to the lyrics, and it makes sense. Uh-huh. Is he's telling a woman that your man he's been at work busting his ass all day. You better fuck him twice tonight. Jesus, you know, you know, your man's worth working hard. He's worth a deuce. Uh-huh. Like apparently that's what the song was about. Yeah, and. It just sucks because now I can't listen to it without picturing that, and it's yeah, just yeah. like it ruined it for me. Anyways, that was enough time with Kiss. Jesus. <laughs> on the music portion of the show, which you can hear on Mixcloud, it'll be episode 1.5 where we'll be playing all the music. See, I told you you'd have to wait till the end, but I figured 15 minutes was uh, was doable there. So uh, was there any other records uh, from 74 that you wanted to mention? Um, I mean, you really got to dive deep on that one. Uh, we mentioned Aerosmith. Right. I got your wings. Yeah, um... Uh, David Bowie had a pretty good album out that year, Diamond Dogs. 
Diamond Dog. A yeah. little, uh, little uneven for him. Like if you take off his seventies work, it's probably at the bottom. Right. But it still had like Rebel Rebel on it. Yeah. Um, That's a great song. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. The song Diamond Dog. Yeah, he played mm-hmm. that all the way through his career. Yeah, yeah. That was that is awesome. So that, that's definitely a highlight of that year. Yeah. Um, but it kind of gets bogged down because he originally had a plan of making it like a uh, concept album of George Orwell's 1984. So like, yeah. Then he kind of dropped that idea halfway through. <laughs> so, so it's like <laughs> one side is a concept album. <laughs> right, right. It's not even like that. It's like a couple songs, a couple songs not, a couple songs. Oh, not, couple, yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty scattershot. So yeah, and I think um, you know. It was funny when, uh, again, when Trampas and I first discussed doing 1974, I always say that 1974 was the best year ever for movies because oh, like, sure. two of my favorite comedies of all time, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles came out in 74, both Mel Brooks movies. That's crazy. And um, yeah, I mean, to put both of those out and, and they're so distinctively different from each other. Right. Um, completely different genres and... The same kind of humor. It, it's right. really, um, it's really spectacular, and that was a that was a really cool thing. And I think also, I don't know, it might have been his second or third movie, but John Waters put out Female Trouble that year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. and um, there, <laughs> I also copied the description because <laughs> if you're not familiar with John Waters, uh, just listen to this description. It's awesome. <laughs> now, remember, 1974. People are listening to. Steely Dan and, you know, and, and Kiss. And so it, it was rated, first off, it's rated NC-17 for 1974. Well, they didn't even have that rating back right. then. So yeah. now it, it is, yeah, so right, comparatively yeah. speaking. A spoiled schoolgirl runs away from home, gets pregnant while hitchhiking, and ends up as a fashion model for a pair of beauticians who like to photograph women committing crimes. Alrighty then, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds better than the Foo Fighters horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, that guy doesn't make movies anymore. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it's been a while, it right? Has been, yeah. Like since like Pecker, right? <laughs> I think that might have been the last one. Or uh, what was it, Cecil B. Demented or something? Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're right, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's crazy. Also, um, for horror, even uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, that year, which I think uh, I'm not going to say it was the first. But it definitely launched the slasher movies, um, in my mind. That could be true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it, it was it was pre Michael Myers and pre Freddy and pre Jason and right. all this. It was Leatherface, right? You know, have you seen that remake? It just came out like I think last year. No, it is not good. I do not recommend. I it. bet it's not. Yeah. Um, I've actually watched quite a few remakes lately, just for that fact of. Yeah. One of them was they remade Poltergeist. Oh, did they? I had yeah. no idea. Neither did I. I was getting on a plane and I downloaded it just because I was like, "Oh shit, what's you know that'll that'll be entertaining." I'm flying. I fell asleep. I think before the credits at the beginning of the movie, oh, yeah. and then it was an Amazon thing, so the it ran out. Like, uh-huh. as you only got 24 hours once you started. Right. I slept through the entire thing. So I don't know if it was good. <laughs> I watched the remake of Red Dawn. Oy vey. Oh. Is that the one where it's like the Koreans? What they the North did, Koreans? yes, I okay. think what they did was they filmed the movie, but it was supposed to be China. But all of the uniforms, like it didn't have a Chinese flag on it. It had like an indistinct kind of like you know the Nazis didn't use the German flag; they used right. the swastika. So it was something like that. Okay, they filmed the whole movie, 
And then the studio, I believe, decided that we can't do that with the Chinese. It'll ruin our relationship with them. So they just made them all North Korean. They didn't change the actors. <laughs> they changed like the overdub and some of the some of the the the, 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 the uh, subtitles. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's really odd that the whole villain of the movie is completely different after they filmed it. It was it was horrible anyway, but um, it had an actor that I kind of like in it. Um, did, um, God, I'm getting off topic, but it, <laughs> what, did you? Uh, one of my favorite shows recently is the show Future Man on Hulu. It is one of the best, coolest. Awesomest shows. It uh, Seth Rogen came up. With oh it, I right, think. yes, I've seen it. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, it is good. Yeah, yeah. But the main kid, Jush, Josh, uh-huh. he was in Red Dawn. I'm like, I like that okay. dude. He's right. he's funny. Not in that movie. That movie was a big waste. I mean, uh, I don't think anything was more of a waste of time than uh, what was it? Uh, it wasn't a remake. It was a sequel. Oh, Anchorman Two. Oh uh, right. I mean, Anchorman was so funny. It was good. If you, if you like a Will Ferrell thing. But yeah. uh, speaking of which, The Godfather 2 also came out in Godfather 74. Two. Yeah. Um, some people Maybe. put that on as uh Is that the best sequel, you think? Good question. Yeah. I happen to think uh, Ghostbusters 2 I really liked. Okay. I thought that was a good sequel. Okay. Um, it doesn't have quite the same like gravitas as... Godfather Empire Strikes too. Back, probably really? the best sequel. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I, it, it, it's hard to, it's hard to compare, right? Because right. I like The Godfather. I love Goodfellas. If there was a Goodfellas two, would yeah. I think it was good? Probably not, because you know. So I don't yeah. know. I don't House know. two, really good. House two. House uh, two. Then there was a, you know, I went on the first my first date with my wife was in 1988. Uh, I didn't know her very well. Uh-huh. I asked her to the movies. I figured, hey, we're 13, 14, you know, let's go to the movies. What do girls that age like? So I took her to see Critters Part 3, the main course. Nice. Or Critters 2, the main course. That, that wasn't a very good sequel. Uh, Gremlins 2 is great. Gremlins yeah, 2 is yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It, it's... It's a lot more of the gags, like right, them yeah, in the movie absolutely. theater yeah, and right, shit, yeah, yeah. you know. But it good. Yeah. It's good. Um, I don't know. But the remakes... Uh, you know, Disney is also doing a lot of remakes on Disney Plus, and mm-hmm. you probably haven't even heard about them unless you're specifically looking for them. Oh, yeah. Because I have kids, I am like they remade um, Home Alone. Really? Yeah, but di- they did it a lot different. It was like the kid was British, and the 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 parents were the ones breaking it. it it's it was. Oh, wow. They remade like cheaper by the dozen. They rem- they're like remaking all of this stuff. Oh, okay. uh, so that that's kind of weird. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I think that um. Oh, Zardoz came out in seventy four. What? Sean Connery. You never saw that movie? No. What is it called? Zardoz. Zardoz. No. Is yeah. It awesome. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> it's. I mean, awesome in a bad way, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he wears this. Uh, what do you call those? Cod piece, yes, like like cameo word up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He wears that through the whole thing. <laughs> oh man! So, see, so yeah, that's pretty much a wrap there on seventy four. I mean, you know, there was some good things to come out, but at the same time, you know, when you're comparing these kind of things, you go, okay, well, you know, you put Diamond Dogs on that list, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same at the same breath, you're also like, it was probably his worst 70s album. Right. So even the good stuff. Exactly. 
you know, comparatively speaking. Like Stevie Wonder put out a brilliant album that year. Yeah. Uh, for filling this full finale. Yeah. That actually won the Grammy for best best album that year. Yeah. And yeah, it's like his worst of 70, <laughs> his worst 70s output. And he, yeah. And it's a brilliant album, but it's just for some reason that year, yeah. he put out his worst brilliant album. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I, I think the, the, the main part about it is just everything was changing at that point, and there was fatigue from, yeah. from the heavy rock stuff. I mean, you know, Zeppelin skipping a year. You go, okay, well, within six years, they did what? Zeppelin 1, Zeppelin 2, Zeppelin 3. You know, yeah, yeah. They, were, they were popping out albums every year. You know, and that goes way into the 80s, you know. You look at um, even bands like a Motley Crue, you know. They had a record every year or every other year, like for years and years. Metallica, you know, 83, 85, oh, 87, right, yeah. 88, 90, they definitely slowed down. You know, and then... <laughs> You know, now it takes them about, you know, eight to 14 years to yeah. do a new album. Uh, it's it's wild, and recording has actually become a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so you wonder, you go, okay, well, is it oversaturation? Um, is it, why make a new record? Um, you know, you figure, why, why is it? Because, you know, in my mind, in the 70s and 80s, it was, you record a record, you tour for a year, then you record another record... And then exactly. it comes out, then you tour for a year. Yeah, you'd or, see the same bands every year. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Every year or every good. year and a half. It, yeah, it yeah. always happened. Yep. You know? I remember like seeing bands at the Cap Center mm-hmm. uh, in the winter, merry weather in the summer. Yeah. That's how it would be. I, and, and you know, they would just, you know, they, they would shove all that in. And I mean, so, I mean, look at, look at Van Halen. I mean, you yeah, know, those right, first yeah. two records, Jesus. And they, they came out, what, a year and a half from each other? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just incredible the amount that goes into it. Like, um, so my band, which is on Big Curve Music, American Jet Set, we decided with this recording, we wanted to go full in. Like, we wanted to go into the studio with a producer we know we liked, yeah. you know, good engineer. Like, we wanted to do it the way it would have been done if we would have yeah. recorded it 30 years ago. And, um, you know, we only recorded, I think, seven songs, I guess. And it still took weeks. Yeah. Like, it... it, uh, it not that that's a long time to spend, but for guys right. who also have jobs, it's it's a lot, yeah, a lot yeah. and it's very expensive. But, um, you know, when I think back into it and go, I'm not even touring, and I don't think I'm ready to record another record right. next April. Yeah. Like, it was, holy shit. I mean, I'm also doing a lot of the marketing and everything, yeah. too, but, I mean, whew, yeah. it, it takes a lot. And, you know, I think with these bands, they were shoved into yeah. a studio, probably wrote yeah. for a month or two, right? Yeah. and then recorded yeah. Took two weeks off and then back on the road. And what I, what I love about albums back then and what I love about your album, yeah. and I don't mean this as a backhanded compliment, yeah. is that it's short. Yeah. You no, know? we all three of our records, short. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that I, I think that when they can be shorter, there's no reason for filler. So you have less of a chance of putting out something that's, you know, it, it's right. crap. Which... Back in the day before uh, streaming, I'd even say it, this is true kind of of iTunes a little bit, but mostly CDs, cassette, albums, was that, you know, the songs were out there, but all the, the filler stuff, you weren't hearing them. Right. Because you were going to fast forward or you would skip or you wouldn't hear it on the radio. Right. You wouldn't play it for a friend. But now, if you put out crap, if you put out filler, it's right in there in Spotify with everything else. Right. Yeah, and people yeah. are going to listen to it and go, what? Why do they do this? Yeah. I mean, I think Motley Crue were like probably next to Kiss, the kings of filler. You know, they have one or <laughs> one or two like songs that made it, and the rest are like, 
what, right. what, what is this? <laughs> right. Yeah, and Fishbone got to be that way too. Like they would put out like oh, hour and a half long seat. Like they would fill their CD. Yeah. Like and it, so much of it would be like, oh man, you're you're taxing me, dude. I know, I know, and, and and you know, because everybody now, everybody's doing it all different. Um, uh, it was like maybe last week. I'm not a big fan of the new lineup or the new music of the Pixies. I just, I can't, I just don't really like it. Right. Like I kind of look at it as like some Black Francis albums that I didn't pay attention to, or Frank Black, or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, to me, it's the three albums, like, or four albums. Like that's that's it for me. Right. Uh, sorry, because I like a lot of bands' new stuff, but that it just. I don't know, no Kim deal. It, right, know. it seemed like it lost something. I mean, I yeah. agree, yeah. And But I found out because one of their songs came on the radio. Oh, it was Here Comes Your Man. Yeah. And Rollins was like, you like that band, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, but this probably isn't the best example. Yeah. You know, I wanted to put on like Planet of Sound or, right. you know, something from the beginning of Bossa Nova or something. Right. And um, and I was like, oh, so I pull up Spotify. They're do- I don't know if you've noticed what they're doing with Spotify. No, I listen to Apple Music. I don't, okay. I don't, I don't well, it may be on Apple Music, too. Okay. Every single show is recorded, mastered, and released as an album. Every show. Not just here and there. Like, yeah. if you go to their releases, you're scrolling like this oh, for live really? shows for the past couple of years. Oh, yeah. I guess that's a Spotify exclusive. Because, yeah, I have not seen that on their I remember, Apple Music page. Let me check. Yeah, when they first did, uh, when the Pixies first did their reunion, I, I I believe it was like I don't know 2006 something like that. They did the reunion. Um, I went to the, I went to see him twice. I saw him at Constitution Hall and then I saw him at Merriweather. At Constitution Hall, there was a little thing on your seat that like a flyer kind of thing that you would. It was kind of stuck to the bottom of your seat or something, and you'd pull it up, and that's how you could order that show on CD. Oh right, but yeah. It was like 2006, uh-huh. so you'd have right. to go online and. But now yeah. I think, dude, it, it is. I think it's smart, but at the same time, it's like pick a show or two. But then it's like, well, what do they care? Yeah, they have like a section called live albums, and yeah, it's pretty filled up. Oh, okay, yeah. so that it's just in in Spotify. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah that's yeah. yeah, like yeah, no one needs to put out that many live albums. Yeah, so yeah. I, you know, make them available to the fans to right, order to yeah. have something special. Uh, Metallica does that. <laughs> they film all theirs and then they charge you for it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to watch it. Right. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many different ways of releasing music. You know, um, let me ask you a question uh, before we wrap up. Uh, Big Curve Music's podcast episode number one, one point because there will be a one point five with the music. Um, and I'm gonna play on that show. I'm gonna play every live Pixies album. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna, just gonna put put them all on there. Um, when it comes to television, now we didn't talk a lot about, I didn't, we didn't talk at all about TV on this episode, but when it comes to TV, uh, and, and I'm talking mostly uh, streaming services, but you know, I, I include HBO, Max, and all that kind of stuff. When a new show comes out that you, f- that you love, sure. do you prefer it to come out once a week, or do you prefer it to be released all at once? Uh I find it doesn't really matter much because I don't really binge it all at once, even if it is all there for me to binge. But do you sometimes go to at least the next one to see what happened? Well, you know. like, uh, like, take Stranger Things. Like right. that, that, that new season just came out. I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't watch it in a weekend did, did, like did, I did? No, no absolutely <laughs> not. It, it, like, over the week. Like I, yeah. I would do, like, an episode a day or something like that. Yeah. Right. But would you have preferred it? that they released it every Friday at midnight or something, you know, 
Uh, I mean, I, I can't really say I have a preference. I, I guess maybe probably all at once. That way, at least I have the op- option. Like, okay, now that I got some free time, I can watch this now. Well, the reason I'm asking is because I was thinking recently about, you know, there's a lot of bands out there, uh, musicians, that have just been doing singles or collabs and things like that. I think that's probably the way to go. So, I, you know, I, I go back and I look at it and I go, okay, well, that's kind of like, that's kind of like Hulu, right? You're gonna get a, right. you're gonna get this one, then you wait, then you'll get the next one, then get the other one, and then at the end, you dump dump it all into an album. Right. And That's then, uh, what the Smiths used to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at it, and I have to make the decision. You know, with a record label, like we have to figure out how to do the shit too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's ways now that you can you can release music as a single, but that single then becomes the same. ID that it is on the album, meaning it's got the same code in it. Oh, I got you. So, you know, if, if, you know, some band puts out a single and it gets, you know, 10 million plays and then the album comes out and that song is on the album too, there's a way to, to connect them to where that song on the album also has the, the million plays or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, it seems like a scam. Well, not really, because that song, it, 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 it can't be a different song. Like, it's got to have the same coding. It's got to be the same file. But right. But it's got, you know, the code there. So, like, when we were trying to build anticipation for the last Jet Set record, uh, and actually for Landis, too, is we release a single or two with different artwork than the album. Yeah. We let it sit out there for a month or so, start promoting it, get the listenership up, uh-huh. So then when you, boom, release the record, you actually have the fan base to advertise to or to be able to promote to. Um, and it worked really good. Um, but, you know, I also, I also have, you know, artists that are just like, I just want to do singles. Right. But I, I still love the album. I still love, like, most people would be surprised at, you know, how much merch gets sold nowadays because people only look at what themselves or the people closest to them do. Right. Right. Like, do you or your wife listen to CDs? Oh no. Right. So in your mind, like who's buying CDs, right? Because right. it's dude, we sell a lot of CDs. Oh, do you really? wow. It's, it's crazy. Uh, and you know, and the cassette tapes, we're doing cassettes for the bands now Wow. and they're selling. So, you know, people, people like having not only something physical in their hands, <laughs> <laughs> Something physical in their hands, they also like the package. Like they like that these songs are on this record. Right. Like, if like for my band, it, it, not all of our stuff's out there right now for a completely different reason. I'm not at liberty to talk about. Uh-huh. <sighs> that was a fucking mess. But um, if all of our records were out there and you hit shuffle from the band, a lot of it wouldn't make sense. Because you know we did kind of like a bluesy oh, rock right. album. Gotcha. Then we did yeah. a not the best recording album. And then we did this one, which is highly produced. And so, so, you know, it, it makes the songs make sense in the, the, I mean, do you remember back, you know, years, 20, 30 years ago, like sequencing an album was really important, you know, Oh, definitely. especially think about bands like Metallica, like for a couple albums there, it's like you start off with the soft thing that ends up being brutal as shit. Absolutely. And then the lat and in the middle, there's an instrumental. And at the end, it's a song even more brutal than the first brutal. Right. You know, and it's like, they did that on three albums and, uh, and it's the three best albums. Right. Um, And, you know, would, you know, would a song like, uh, I don't know, battery or something, would that 
be as good as if you're just listening to it in a shuffle? Or is it great because you put on the record and then fucking bam, it hits you in the face, you know? And Well, but you're kind of jaded by, I mean, how many times have you listened to that album? How many times you listen to Master of Puppets? It's like, dude, I, we, we'll get into this in another show. I think it's the best record ever made. All right. And they're not my favorite band. One, one time That's at work. my favorite record. One time at work, uh, there was this asshole that was listening to uh, the Beatles' uh, Sgt. Pepper album. The son of a bitch put it on shuffle. It was driving me crazy. Oh, it was yeah. driving me up a fucking right. Wall. So, so, but <laughs> yeah, so yeah. for that, it's kind of like it, my wife. Yeah. She'll watch TV seasons. She'll she'll watch whatever episode. Like it doesn't matter yeah. her what season it is. I can't, I can't do yeah. that. Yeah, I got yeah, It's yeah. got to be like the way it's like for me. A lot of shows, it's got a different feeling each season. It's got yeah. a different thing, and she just yeah, she don't care. Yeah. Just, just watch it. <laughs> Like, let's watch an episode of Psych. I'm like, wait, what season? She's like, I don't know, whatever, it's on. And, like, that thing in my brain's like... <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a OCD thing or something no. needed in order, but you're right. I mean, you can't... I couldn't listen to Master of Puppets on Shuffle. Right, right, yeah. Because the thing that should not be would be first. Now, although it's not a terrible <laughs> song, it's not motivating me to listen to the rest of the record. When I hear right. Battery, I'm like, holy shit. I am in for, you know, 40 minutes of, of kick-ass. Right. Like, that's kind of how I feel. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe we could even do a segment on an upcoming show that, like, you know, best album openers. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, there's some albums that are defined by their album opener. Right. Um, you know, uh, and it's not just, you know, my mind, the metal. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of them out there. And, you know, it's another reason I, I don't really dig Greatest Hits albums very much. Because a lot of the songs, even though they were great... They're completely out of place on a greatest hits. However, it doesn't bother me live. It doesn't b- oh, bother right. me yeah, that yeah. they play songs all over the place live. Right, um, yeah. Because that's a different beast. Yeah. When, yeah. When, when it's recorded, yeah. it's, it's got to be the way. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to listen to it that way. <laughs> I also don't like how a lot of the bands are doing the remastered versions online, uh, like on Apple and Spotify where, like, the last six songs are all the demo versions of the song and then all of these yeah. because that comes up when you're playing the rate, you know, the shuffle, shuffle radio or like Pandora and stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm listening to like the first demo of, you know, girls, girls, girls. And I'm like, why am I listening right, to a yeah. demo of this? I don't even want to listen to the regular one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's weird right. that I understand on like box sets and, and stuff to have that, but like I was saying earlier, with streaming, it's all there and it's all equal, and it's uh, it's it's pretty strange. It's going to be interesting to see how music goes um, over the next few years. Now that we've pretty much, I mean, they're deleting iTunes like off of your phones now and right. off of your computer. Like it doesn't even it's not even there. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> so, yeah. it's going away. So it'll be interesting. So to close up today's show, I want to talk about a couple things going on at Big Curve. The number one thing right now that we are talking about on. Thursday, June 16th, 2022. Uh, one of our artists, Landis Harry Larry, is putting out a triple album, three solo albums. Uh, and it's going to be out hopefully by the end of this month. And it's going to be available on digital, on streaming, cassette, CD, and vinyl uh, record. He is a, a man of many talents. It, and he's fantastic at all of them. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you haven't heard of Landis, just go to YouTube and put in Landis Expandus. Uh, you don't even have to look up his records right now. I mean, eventually do because, you know, it's my uh, living. However, just check it out. Because 
I, I'm pretty sure when you pull them up on YouTube, you're going to see a, a variety of stuff that just won't make sense to you until you <laughs> sit there and watch them all. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's incredible. He and, it, and it's, I it's, was in a band with him for like a month. You were? Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. It was me, uh, Mud Shark Mark, yeah. uh, Tim Dugan. And Landis. And Landis. And uh, some bass player. What did Landis play? He just sang. Was the bass player have a huge beard and long hair? No, no, no. He's a guy named Ken. He played like this five string, oh, like it wasn't dollar Ken bass. Dingle. No, no, not him. No, no, it was a different Ken. Oh, but uh, we played a couple shows. At really? S- at the sidebar and what was the name of the band? Dugan. How did I miss that? How long ago was this? Oh, man, this was like was I deep in baby twenty mode? years ago? What twenty? Twenty years ago, yeah. Huh. Like it, was, it was a little bit before I joined Landspeed Record. Shit, that was before yeah. Landis and I were even DJing together and oh, all really? that stuff. Yeah, dude, I, well, I'm telling you, I was intimidated by him. Like, I just thought, because I have a lot of respect for him. Like, I, Yeah. And he's obviously, like, I felt like, man, I, I can't suck. I can't suck at this. You know what I mean? He, he's he's pretty wild, man. But but he's it's it's also, it's like, it's art, creativity. It's, yeah. it's, it's music. It's all the forms. It's visual. It's audio. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And all, I think his music definitely represents that. And the cool thing about these three solo albums is that each album uh, is going to be about 12, 13 songs. I know you talk about long records, but some of the songs are a minute. Like, yeah. it's, it's just a lot of content. And uh, each album is going to be a distinctively different style of music. <laughs> that's crazy so you'll have that's one crazy, you'll have one that is more yeah. of like the jingle kind of songs uh-huh. then you'll have one that's more of like the funk stuff and then uh-huh. you have the one that's the darker gothy yeah. stuff um actually uh i uh right you know what i can't play it on this show uh i'll play it on a future show on the mix show i i, I no one can hear it yet but I, i'm gonna play it for Trampus as soon as we go <laughs> off the off the air um but anyways thank you for joining us here for the big curve podcast episode number one um if you're listening to us in mixed cloud right now just hop on to episode 1.5 and you can hear a lot of the music we talked about today but don't let it deter you that we said that most of the music sucked because <laughs> there are some good ones and the ones we talked about we're going to be playing and um, I'm also going to be playing some stuff from some big curve bands and that is on our mixed cloud so follow us there and follow us on whatever else you're you're listening to the talk version of the show on um, and I think uh, Trampus anything else you wanted to uh, you can hear me on this podcast when mm-hmm. you hear it that's right. And also, well, hopefully, we don't have time to talk about it today, but uh, I really want to get into something that Trampus at this point in his life probably thinks is really boring, and that <laughs> is his job, which I think is freaking amazing. Uh, and I'll just give you this much. like My son loves watching videos of him do his job. There's vi- <laughs> he, he works on guitars, but we'll, we'll talk about that in, in, in another thing. Um, and we'll also uh, talk about our uh, the trip uh, to the NAM conference. Uh, which or the Nam show they call it a show um, out in California. I just got back from that last week, and that was a that was a thing. Um, there was some good food. Yeah, tacos. Uh, we we just went to the restaurants. Donuts. Think. Yeah. Well, whoa, we did go to that. Uh, what, what's that famous? Uh, uh, oh God, it's the it's a famous. Um, 
the Iron Man lays in it in the Iron Man movie, the giant donut. It's a, it's a famous chain out there, but we went there. The donut was like is like 12 inches. Yeah. It was like the size of a cake, the donut there. But, uh, you know, I, my son went with me, so I took him to, you know, In-N-Out Burger and Jack in the Box and all the nice. garbage food um, that you can only get out there. Um, and then Disneyland and the, the freaking uh, Galaxy's Edge and all the Star Wars and Marvel stuff. I'd love to talk about that sometime on the show, too, because it was do, where, where they've gone with these theme park things and, and what they're doing out there, especially, you know, of course, with Disney owning, you know, most Marvel properties. Mm. Uh, I, I understand that they can, there's certain characters they can only do west of the Mississippi that they can't do. Oh, really? Yeah, like apparently, you know, there was an attraction when we were in California. Spider-Man comes out and he does all this swing and all this kind of crazy shit, but they can't do that east of the Mississippi because, you know, Sony or someone else owns the rights in that area. And that's why oh, wow. Universal has more Marvel stuff than Disney World does in Florida. Wow. It's like a whole deal, but uh, which is it's pretty interesting. But uh, we, we had a... A freaking blast out there. And you know what? It only cost $230 to make a lightsaber. It was only $230. Bucks. All right. Final question. Okay. Question of the show. If you get if you guys guess this one before Trampus, just let me know and I'll believe you and I'll send you a t-shirt. <laughs> My son and I went to Disneyland. Okay. It was sold out. And California Adventure, the park that is joined to it, was also sold out. However, you could buy a ticket that included both. All right, you follow me here? Yeah, I got yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got that. We didn't have to pay for parking. We didn't have to get any of the other stuff. How much do you think two tickets were for one day? Two tickets for one day. Yep. I'm trying to think. Uh, 400 Yeah, 430 bucks. Oh, damn. Mm. And then the friggin' lightsaber. Ugh, but whatever. Dude, the kid's <laughs> worth it, man. We had a great time. I mean... It's definitely, you know, there's things like that, you know, like a concert sometimes that it's just an experience that the experience itself was worth it, you know. Mm. And that's why, you know, um, I try not to go too crazy with the booze at concerts because then I'm just not going to remember it. And and if I'm up front and I, I got a great seats to a show, I kind of want to remember it. All right. Like, I think I liked White Snake the last time I saw him. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. But I'll tell you what, the show you really want to see. And people are going to smack me for saying this. Go see The Circle, Sammy Hagar's band. It has Jason Bonham on the drums, Vic Johnson on guitar, Sammy singing and playing guitar, and Michael Anthony on bass. Because of the people in the band, you'll hear Zeppelin, you hear Van Halen, you hear Sammy Hagar, you hear, uh, Mount, uh, not Mountain, what was his band? Um, Rock Candy, Montrose. Oh, right, yeah. You hear it all. And the dude is like 76, I think, or 74. Yeah. Plays for three hours, two and a half hours, whatever. Pouring shots out to the crowd. Like, they just put on a great show. And there was no filler because you got Bonham up there. You know, right. you got it, it. And now they have a whole section where, like, Michael Anthony's the lead singer and does, like, three or four classic Van Halen songs. And he nails them. Yeah. Like does Unchained and, and wow. all this stuff. So it was a fun concert. And the reason I brought that up is because the COVID year, 2020, I had tickets. It was White Snake, The Circle, and Night Ranger. And it never got <laughs> rescheduled. And, you know, hey, look, White Snake is one of those bands, dude. Live, they're phenomenal. But I'm, sure. not, I'm, not, I'm not flipping on their record. <laughs> 
When I saw them, they were amazing. So you saw them back like 87 or so, like when they were a Yeah, big they opened hit. up for uh, Motley Crue, yeah. Oh, shit, that would have been awesome. I don't remember what, I remember it was the tour where Tommy Lee had the upside down drums. Not the roller coaster, but okay. the All upside right. down drums. That is Girls, Girls, Girls. Okay, right on. Theater of Pain was before that, and that's when it just went up 90 degrees. Right, right, yeah. And then the Dr. Feelgood tour, he kind of came out of the ceiling with all these speakers around him and just played along to other songs. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know when he did the roller coaster thing on that tour? You know he was, like, playing techno and EDM. Oh, really? Yeah. It, he wasn't playing the He was just going... <laughs> like, it was like techno, and he rode a roller coaster. I mean, it's that's cool to fantastic. go like the guys hanging from the ceiling, that like fantastic. that's. Oh, the thing when he when he came out of the ceiling with all the speakers around him for Doctor yeah. Feelgood, you're up there and he's like playing along to ACDC and uh, shit like that. <laughs> Motherfucker, at the end of it, guess how he gets back down to the stage or into the crowd? Uh, uh, he bungee jumps from it, wearing Jesus. nothing but a thong. Jesus, you think Neil Peart was like, "Why the fuck didn't I think of that?" <laughs> <laughs> he was too busy learning to play the drums. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, that Tommy Lee is in my top ten drummers yeah. just because of the way he executes and the way he, he plays his beats. Not because I think that he's a technical genius, but right. dude can bust a beat yeah. like like the best of them. So, uh, like the best of them. He is one of the best of them, in my mind. All right. We will see you next time right here on the Big Curve Podcast. This is Jeff and Trampus signing off. Thank you for listening. It was almost an hour. Goodbye. <laughs>